0: What is up, good people? Welcome back to the Church of Holy Shit and the temple for all the saints and the aints, better known as Holy Shit Pod. A holy irreverent, irreverently holy conversation about spirituality, culture, and the world. Not certain why that voice came out. I don't know either. Sounds like a spooky Halloween voice or something. I I mean, it is October. I'm the host who introduces himself first, the principal member of the unholy trinity. I'm everybody's favorite gay uncle and fairy godfather. And you can also call me the holy mother, shut your mouth. Or Brandon Thomas Maxwell.
1: (laughs) I am the equivalent of Brandon's favorite member of the actual Trinity. I am the divine feminine energy, ancient wisdom, holy love, the holy mother superior, token white woman, and the only non-millennial voice you will hear, (laughs) Karen (laughs) Teresa Riggs, also known as Katie.
2: You know what they say. They, they say you got to say the best for last. I'm your favorite host. I am the Samoth. Remember the Samoth and keep it holy. That's a nod to my brother Craig. Oh, hell, Sam. Brandon, your t-shirt is in the mail. I'm going to vomit. I can't help that people love
1: me. Sam, it's only one person.
2: One. Yeah, but he's a white man. And that's all that matters in America. He represents everyone.
0: <laughs> Today the category is church boy realness, honey. I'm so excited to welcome my friend and brother, the Reverend Corin. Malcolm Davis to the pod for a conversation about black queer visibility. While I love Katie and Sam, my heart needs a conversation with another black gay man about the state of the black queer church and how Lil Nas X, Billy Porter, Lena Waithe, and so many others are just filling my heart with hope and joy. So Corwin will join me for our word of Pod for the people of Pod. Thanks be to Pod. And we'll start by gushing over Lil Nas X and we'll see where the conversation takes us. But first, we got a few church announcements for the good of the congregation, so let's get into it. Good morning, good morning, church. It is so good to be together once again here at the Church of Holy Shit. Thank you for listening here on this lovely Monday morning or Tuesday or Wednesday, if you're listening to it a little bit later in the week. Before we continue in worship, please hear these announcements and govern yourselves accordingly. The Archbishop of Praise and Worship, Sam
2: White, has the first one. Worship. <laughs> worship. That's how somebody, grandmama said, worship. Come on and worship the Lord. When they say worship, you know they mean it. People of Pod. Did you know that the entire first season of Healing Jephthah's Daughters is now available on most podcast streaming platforms? This is a story about a child, a daughter.
0: This is a story all about him. my life got turned upside down
2: and I'd like to take a minute. Okay. (laughs) This is a story about a child who pays the price for her parents' lack of wisdom and maturity. After you finish today's episode, check out the show notes for a link to HJD, Healing Jephthah's Daughters. The podcast is hosted by one of my favorite humans, the Reverend Dr. Lisa Weaver. I wanted to give her so many titles right there. I just wanted to call her so many venerable things,
1: Bishop Lisa. Uses,
2: Lisa uses the Judges Eleven text to guide listeners on a journey toward freedom, healing, and wholeness. So go stream all episodes of Healing Jephthah's Daughters in your podcast app of choice today, and let us know what you think. Sam, you said that like a real good Baptist
0: preacher. Given the announcements before yeah. the offering, I
2: see how you did that. Oh, come on now. <laughs>
0: Let's get into our next announcement, which comes to us from the Safe Sanctuary Ministry. Last Monday, after a six-week trial, a federal jury in New York found R. Kelly guilty on all counts of racketeering and sex trafficking. The jury found that Robert Sylvester Kelly was the leader of a decades-long effort to recruit women and underaged girls for sex, resulting in eight total convictions.
2: I'm fighting for my life! Robert.
1: I'm fighting for my life! Robert.
2: Robert. <laughs>
1: I'm glad that he was held responsible for his actions. I really wish that they would hold everybody responsible for their actions. They seem to be able to convict black men of these crimes and not um, anyone else. Oh,
2: come on, Katie. I'm
1: I'm glad he was held responsible, and I really wish that we were holding all men responsible Mm. and anyone else who engages in sex trafficking, assault, et cetera. For me, I'm still
0: at the place where I'm like, Black people love him. He has written so many of the hits and so many of the things that Black folks like singing. And I've seen so many ignorant things in the wake of this. Like I saw somebody post a meme that said, all my role models went to prison. Jesus, Paul, Joseph, Daniel, Peter, John. So are you trying to implicitly say that R. Kelly is your role model because he went to jail. But like Jesus, this is not a moment to be defensive of R. Kelly. Like what Robert has done for the last several years is absolutely completely and totally evil, wrong, and it needed to be stopped. So I'm glad that that occurred and that he's been held accountable for those actions. I also do agree with you that there are white men who do this kind of thing all the fucking time who get away with it on a regular basis.
1: Jeffrey Epstein.
0: Oh, we
2: calling names today? Donald Trump. I mean, but I'm not sympathetic for Robert, and I know y'all aren't either. But to Brandon's point, there are some people out there who are. And uh, in, in the black community, unfortunately, we'll be split because some of them don't believe in women. Number one, they think that Robert is a national treasure. They thought Bill Cosby was a national treasure. I had conversations literally with people I went to college with. And I'm not just, I mean, educated folk who was saying he ain't do that. Bill Cosby ain't do that of the nostalgia of the Cosby show, because of the songs that Robert wrote. And I think that's so sad. That's so horrible. I want to cry almost because it contributes to the culture that we see where a room full of men can write legislation that polices a woman's womb. It reinforces that type of culture.
1: I mean, that's exactly what happens when you push it too far. Or not far at all.
0: I mean, then I saw this tweet about Congressman Danny Davis, who all of a sudden wants to talk about second chances for people and talks about how R. Kelly will be welcomed back to Chicago after he serves his time. At the end of the day, there's a moment for this kind of commentary. And I'm glad that there are people out there who are already proactively thinking about what restoration looks like. However, Congressman Davis, like, this is too soon. People are so quick to jump to Robert Kelly's defense but want to hold gay folks accountable for their understanding of what the word of God says about homosexuality and they don't want to have any sort of sympathy, care, empathy, welcome affirmation of gay folks. And we ain't even doing sinful shit. We don't stuff that white folks taught y'all was sinful, but it's not actually sinful shit. Robert Kelly is over here selling people.
2: And the crazy thing is, Brandon, his attorneys wasn't even arguing like, nah, this shit never happened. Like, they, they lied. Like, they was like, oh, well, the reason he, he had to operate like that because he was trying to keep them safe. So they had to ask permission to leave the room. You ain't even saying that this shit didn't happen. You're just trying to justify it and think that we dumb enough to be like, oh, that makes sense. Hmm.
0: Yeah. So if you are a person who is a Robert Kelly sympathizer, you can just stop listening now. Or you can keep listening and be transformed by the renewing of your mind because as much as there is racism here, there is also the fact that Robert Kelly is a sex trafficker. So after you've served your time, Robert... I am certain that Congressman Danny Davis will be there to hold you and welcome you with open arms to Chicago and maybe even have a bedroom for you to sleep in. Our next announcement, which is also our final announcement for the day, the deacons and trustees of the United States Church of Christ cannot seem to get it together. And they want everyone to know that they do not support the pastor's vision for the building campaign. They do not (laughs) like the designs of the project. They do not like the architect they selected. They don't like any of it to the point. Last week, Joe Biden canceled a trip to Chicago to remain in D.C. in an attempt to salvage two bills that contains trillions of dollars in infrastructure, education, and climate spending. Uncle Joe can't get a break on either side of the table. Democrats are caught in an internal turmoil between progressives and centrists. Progressives want more to be included in the package, like universal pre-K, free community college, tax breaks for the working people, and a host of other provisions to reduce greenhouse gas emissions. But on the other side of the table, Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema, both of whom might as well switch their party affiliation at this juncture are concerned that the scope of the bill is already too expansive and expensive.
1: Hang on a second. So we talked about this a few weeks back when the New Jersey congressperson was trying to stop things. You said that it was a turmoil between progressives and centrists. Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema are not centrists.
0: That's a factual statement
1: free community college, universal pre-K, tax breaks for working people. Those are logical things. Those should not be considered progressive, period.
0: I agree with you wholeheartedly.
1: I know. I'm just saying these people are not centrist.
0: They self-identify as centrist. I just want to honor their labels.
1: I think sometimes we don't need to honor people's labels. That's not theirs. What should we call them? Republicans. Closeted Republicans? (laughs) (laughs) Come out! Come (laughs) out! Joe, come out, Kirsten. Don't stay in the closet. It's okay to come out. Just be yourself. My God. Sorry, you were going to talk about the Republicans who can come out.
0: The out and proud Republicans, the pride parade Republicans, the I'm here and I'm queer Republicans. They're doing (laughs) the only thing they know how to do. And that is obstructing the work at every single turn. They're merely concerned with their message. What can we say to the American people to convince them that we're obstructing here for moral
2: reasons. I'm at the gym like five days a week now since so I'm losing weight and I have the energy. Oh
0: my God. We do not need to know that
2: every time you see us. My thing is I can't, I actually can't work out on the treadmill unless I'm listening to CNN. I'm at the gym five
0: days a week. I'm in the gym tonight. I'm getting
2: my <laughs> time. I'm going in. Tonight. But um, I'm watching this every day and it's so crazy. And like, so so progressive Democrats are really starting to get frustrated with Ojo in cinema. Literally, this may be the only chance that we have to make substantial change for a lot of people in this country. And you two are going to stand in the way of that. And if we lose the midterms, we lose the courts for a generation or may have already lost the courts for a generation. We lose so much. And y'all two are really going to derail everything. And I think what you're going to see is progressives. They're going to say, hey, we drawing a line. I think Democrats are going to come together and say, Joe, Kirsten. Y'all, y'all need to get in line. And that, that's got to happen. That's got to happen soon.
0: What pisses me off is how stupid Joe Manchin is. So he detailed some of his concerns with the bill. Last Tuesday, he said, there is wide agreement that we need to address climate change, but less agreement on how, how fast, and at what cost. And forgive me because this does merit a rant. Just last week, there was a new study that said people younger than 40 today will live an unprecedented life even under the most stringent climate change mitigation scenarios. The results of the study highlight a severe threat to the safety of young generations and call for drastic emission reductions to safeguard the future. People born in 2021 will be 36 times more likely to experience a heat wave than someone born in 1960. We're talking wildfires, droughts. There's general consensus. We have to act now. The only folks who don't agree with that happen to be the out and proud Republicans. Are you trying to come out of the closet, Joe? Are you trying to come out and be just an out and proud Republican? I continue to be
1: frustrated by these folks who aren't really governing aren't really looking out for people, and just want to stop everything. I I think whether they're Republicans or closeted Republicans, or even Democrats do this too, who are progressive, if you want to say, or logical Democrats, I think that we need to be working towards something and all they're doing is working against things. I come from a generation that doesn't assume that government's going to accomplish anything. And this is just exhibit A, B, C,
0: and D, E, F, G. It's the whole fucking alphabet, right? They are governing toward and for something. They're governing toward and for power. But the issue is they're lying.
1: Oh yes.
0: What the Republicans are very clearly doing is trying to cultivate a message that lets people think they have the moral upper hand. They're trying to cultivate a message that really pulls the wool over people's eyes, even though everybody sees exactly
1: what's happening. Right.
0: There still is a percentage of the population who they hope will believe the lies they are telling when everybody else knows this is all about. Power
1: And when they're governing for power and and the people they hope will believe them stop believing them, all they have to do is distract them and say, hey, but the Democrats agree with abortion. And then everybody's back on message again. You can focus on power, govern for power. And if anyone challenges you, you distract them. That is principalities and powers, which is a different conversation.
0: It is, and it's a little bit of a heavier conversation than I want to have today, but I think this is relevant. (laughs) Maybe it's not, but there's a clip from RuPaul's Drag Race that I want to play for y'all that your comment made me think of.
3: Hi there. My name is Jeff Goldblum. And I'm Rachel Bloom. We want to welcome you to... Choices 2020. Choices.
0: Tonight, our leading seven candidates have gathered to untuck the issues.
3: Let's get this wig party started with opening statements. And from the great Badger State of Wisconsin, Jada Essence Hall.
0: As I always say, you can take the bitch out of the hustle, but you cannot take the hustle out of the bitch. That's why I'm Jada Essence Hall of the Bitches for... The bitches. Finally, a spokesperson for the bitches.
3: She done already done had herses. Jada, I vow to make America what again?
0: I vow to make America confused again. Don't you love waking up in the morning not
4: knowing where you are? Who you are? Why you are?
3: I like what you're saying. Before you go anywhere, you have to ride the horse in the direction that it's going.
4: I don't own a horse,
0: but I love riding. How do you plan to engage younger voters? That's a question.
3: Yeah. Yeah, and what's the, what's the answer? Look over there! Where? Oh, that's, that's a good one, Jada. I've never seen that device used in a, on, the, on the debate stage before. Gigi Good, what do you think of drag robots taking jobs away from drag queens? Why not? Huh. Hmm. Jada, same question.
0: Heidi, question. What? Look over there!
3: Where? She keeps fooling me with that look over there business.
0: I I got a controversial question
3: coming up. Oh, it's controversial question. Jeff, look over there. Hey, where? I, I fall for it every time, too. Confusion.
1: I think I speak for Jeff when I say that he and I are both confused bitches. (laughs) (laughs)
0: so as silly as that is i do think that it highlights very clearly what you were talking about right so anytime that there's a question that we don't want to answer anytime there's an issue sometimes that we've caused we don't want to actually talk about it we want to run on confusion we want to run on chaos so let's generate more chaos generate more confusion and if those two don't work let's do something to make you hyper emotional Texas abortion ban. We know exactly what we're doing when we embolden people to do this in Texas because the Supreme Court is likely going to strike it down. And then we can appeal to people's emotions and create chaos around that. They're coming for your babies. They're coming for the unborn. We really, really, really just need people to live. And really all they're doing is trying to distract you from what is actually going on. Be leery of people when it seems like there's something that comes out of left field. It's typically a distraction. We could stay there all day, but I'm really eager to talk to my brother Corwin. So this will conclude our church announcements. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after this with the word of
2: P.O.D. for the people of P.O.D. Thanks, thanks be to P.O.D. What did you say after divine feminine energy? Holy love? No, no, no. It was something else. You said something else.
1: Uh, Ancient wisdom?
2: That's it. That's what you said. Ancient wisdom. Oh, less. You just hold.
1: <laughs> hey there, pod friends. Holy Shit Pod is brought to you by Theolab Media. Theolab exists to transform how humans engage faith, spirituality, culture, and the world around them.
0: Such a noble goal.
1: Yes, we try. If you're enjoying what you're hearing on Holy Shit Pod, you can support our work by visiting patreon.com slash Media. Become a supporter today at whatever giving level you are able. Every little bit helps. The offering basket is being passed right now. Why don't you put a little love in it?
0: Can I cuss on you? Oh, child, we cuss a lot, a whole, whole lot. Welcome back from that quick break. As promised, I am now here with my good friend and brother who only wants you to know his name corwin but because i'm black and churchy i have to tell you just a little bit more the rev corwin malcolm davis is a scholar writer and ordained itinerant elder in the ame church who is committed to the reimagining of religious practices and the relationship of religion to culture and society he is currently engaging this work in his doctoral program at emory university in atlanta georgia where he is both a woodruff fellow and centennial scholars fellow Researching ways to contextualize the complex relationship of Black religious rhetoric and praxis and the psyche. That just means he's smart, y'all. He edumacated. I met Corwin back in 2013 when he was just beginning his theological studies, and since then we've kept in touch because we have somewhat kindred, churchy, you know, church-sissy spirits, I guess you could say. And we also happen to be two black homosexuals engaged in pastoral ministry. And while there are many of us in ministry, my charitable way of reading this is to say that not all of us have been afforded the kind of life and path where we can live in that truth without fear, or with less fear, I might say. So I could go on and on with this introduction, but nobody likes a long introduction, and it's best if you just hear from him. So if we was in the church, we would have a sermonic selection right now. And I'd say after the next selection from the choir, the next voice you will hear will be that of the Reverend Corwin Malcolm Davis. But we ain't got no choir. So here we go. So where should we begin?
4: It is going to sound very churchy, you know, but perhaps we should begin with a word of prayer or a moment of silence. So, you know, something on behalf of Lil Nas X. A moment of silence for Lil Nas X? Yeah, you know, because that may, I mean... It is not easy to do what he is doing. This is true. And, you know, we can see without scrolling far the pushback. Yes. And I know he dubs it bravely, but it does not mean it is easy. That's what CC Wine said. Uh, it wasn't easy, but, but it, it was, was worth, worth it. it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so if we opted for a less churchy starting point, we might choose to start here. I read this article today and it said... Lil Nas X says that he never would have actually come out publicly had it not been for the success of Old Town Road. And he felt like there was a duty and a responsibility to come out as a result of the success he achieved with Old Town Road. If you're not planning to come out and not planning to come out publicly on a national scale, you are navigating a lot, no matter how effectively or creatively you troll all of America.
4: Yeah, I think, and also, if we are honest, there are persons even within the queer community who are giving him just as much flat as, you know, these type of cishet, heteronormative folk because of the way he dresses at places, um, because of how comfortable he is. You know, that is just rubbing a lot of other queer people the wrong way because they don't like themselves. But ultimately, I
0: think I'm proud of X, and I try to use every moment that I possibly can to celebrate him. I didn't realize that he was
4: just 22 years old. Is he really? He's only 22. I'm almost certain. You're right. He's 22. Lord, he was born in 1999. I think that that's crazy because... You know, then technically, he's not a millennial, of course, then he's Gen Z, which feeds into this kind of larger narrative about Gen Zs and not only their place in technology and media, but how they understand religion, how they understand or engage with sexuality. There's just such a deeper and more, um, they just have more experience, you know? I, I remember when I was, I guess it was two years ago, I was teaching a course at Belmont and a student, a freshman student in, you know, a first year religion class is using words like compulsive heteronormativity in their paper. And I don't think I heard that word till I got to seminary. But, you know, they're just coming in with this. It's just, it's just a part of how they've, they are understanding the world. So say more about that, because I think... I
0: would have not used the term compulsive heteronormativity in undergrad. I definitely would have started using that in seminary based on some of the things that I was reading and some of this work that I was doing then. I think my freshman year of seminary, had someone use that term, I, w- w- I would have been taken aback. I was still closeted at that time. I was still claiming that I love the Lord with all my heart and all my strength and all my soul and all my mind. And you still do now. I was groomed or socialized to think that I couldn't do both In And so right. compulsive heteronormativity as a term would have taken me aback. We have some folks who listen to this podcast who are... Um, baby boomers, Gen Xers, for whom these terms might be unfamiliar. So like, what is compulsive heteronormativity and what does that have to do with Lord Nas X?
4: Sure. So, you know, my introduction to the term, at least is how it's articulated from Adrian Ridge. Compulsive heteronormativity is kind of the way our whole world, particularly Western societies, are structured around heteronormative, around heterosexuality as normal or as the norm. You know, so it is the way houses are built. It is the way language is structured. It is the way religion operates. So that everything kind of coincides to ensure that heterosexuality, uh, Well, and to go even further, to ensure that monogamous married heterosexuality is the normative framework of sexual expression. And so anything else that differs from that, you know, is seen as almost deviant. And it is harder, you know, it's more difficult for those who are not heterosexual to be able to take advantage of some of these spaces and some of these resources that kind of lend themselves to heterosexuality. So we're
0: going there quickly, and I'm good with that. I enjoy going there quickly. (laughs) So you talk about monogamous heterosexuality becoming normative because of Like the way the houses are built, education is structured, policies are um, administered by the U.S. government or whoever else. Like all of these things work together to create this sense of compulsive, mandatory, standardized,
4: normative heterosexuality. Is it really that deep? I mean, I know it's that deep, but is it that deep? You know, you have to think about Obergefell v. Hodges in 2015, right? This Supreme Court case to decide whether or not same-sex marriages would be permitted, you know, nationally and recognized nationally. Listen, 2015, I was also, <laughs> you know, not where I am today. So I'm not going to act like I was on anybody's front lines for it. Is that when I met you? Because you was. No, that, yeah, that would have been 2015. Mm-hmm, you wasn't. No, you know, and it wasn't for, for a little bit afterwards too, you know. Mm-hmm. But marriage in that regard and being recognized in that way, sure, it was about love, but You know, same sex people and, and, you know, those in same gender loving relationships knew they loved each other. It was equally about being able to be recognized by the state, being able to be, you know, someone's next of kin in case of a medical emergency, being able to receive, you know, the benefits if someone dies. The way in which the system heretofore had been structured, only giving those benefits and those resources to a straight married couple. And so, yeah, it, it is that deep when there's, you know, two lovers who may have been together 30 years and one's dying and the other one can't visit them in the hospital room because there's no state-recognized paperwork connecting them. Which, of course, you and I both know religion, particularly Christianity, you know, it's kind of been the spearhead. In this process, we'll call it. We'll call it a process. Uh, Agenda. (laughs) That's another word because they they say that we got one. No, they got one. We we just trying to leave. Right.
0: We know know who the agenda is. Agenda is still too generous of a term for what I believe is, uh, what is the conquest? I believe maybe another way to talk about it. Yeah. Attack. Violation. We're getting closer. We're getting closer. Push pause though. Because I'm keenly aware that we are swimming in water that may be foreign to some listeners, even though it's quite familiar for both of us. I mean, I can hear the questions. Burgerfield v. Hodges, compulsive heteronormativity. How do we get here? And what does any of this have to do with the Lil Nas X album? I thought we were talking about black queer visibility, right? So for us, this is all clearly related, but let's rewind a bit and go back to this point about why, from your vantage point, Lil Nas X dropping this album right now is so risky. Obergefell v. Hodges, which again is the case wherein in the Supreme Court of the United States ruled that the fundamental right to marry was granted to same-sex couples by the Due Process Law, Equal Protection Law, and the 14th Amendment, this case is championed by gay folks as a landmark case for LGBTQ rights. But I still hold the conviction that this was a white heteronormative battle. And so what became acceptable and commonplace through this ruling was white gay shit. The function was to normalize white same-sex relationships according to a white heteronormative monogamous framework for relationships and marriage. And if that was a lot for you who were listening, here's the breakdown. White equals people whose skin ain't brown. (laughs) Heteronormative is like normalizing or making standard the idea that marriage and sex must occur between two people of opposite sexes. Or, as they said in my conservative Baptist church growing up, one man and one woman. So, more simply put, Obergefell v. Hodges made white gay folks more palatable to and for white straight folks without changing the everyday lives of black queer folks in America and around the world. If anything, this case made black straight folks more hostile towards black queer people, and this hostility, or I don't know if that's too strong, um, immaturity or resentment is the stage onto which. Lil Nas X released Montero. To me, that's why this is risky. I mean, it's risky as hell, right?
4: I think you're right. It is not only a risk because he is gay. It is a risk because he is black and gay. And, you know, as I guess now we have, you know, discovered, he is black and gay in 22. You know, he is just not seasoned enough in the music industry to kind of know yet how to navigate all that has to be navigated. This is, after all, his first album, you know? So I think it's a huge risk and it's a risk when you think about, Brandon, what capitalism would want from this. There's a whole lot of other black gay singers and rappers out here, too. They're just not out, you know, because they know that will affect record sales. It will affect promotions, concert appearances, etc. Or at least that is their fear. So it is also a big risk professionally for him to be fully authentically himself and to show up in that, even in his art. And whether that, you know, means he sells less records than the person next door, you know, that's a possibility. But see, that's why this
0: is so intriguing to me because even though the backdrop is still hostility to Black gay men and there isn't another Black gay man who's achieved this same level of success from my vantage point, not openly gay, not like, Like like Lil Nas X is gay gay. He gay gay now. (laughs) Like he out there at the VMAs with sparkly draws on and all these naked men with sparkly
4: draws on. Uh, What did the BET Awards? I mean, he just, you know, makes that with one of the background dancers at the end of the performance. These men are licking on him and shit. And I'm like, I love it. He gay gay. He gay gay. He's gay homosexual now. (laughs) He's gay homosexual.
0: But like capitalism seems to love it right now. The music industry seems to love it right now. Just last week, I was reading an article and he had like, I think 11 of his songs were on the Billboard Top 100 charts. Like why is it that Lil Nas X hasn't like been cast to the side like a Billy Porter? Or a Tevin Campbell. You think Billy Porter's been cast to the side? Billy Porter has been able to sing all of his life, and when Billy Porter was a younger man, there are so many songs that were popularized by other artists that he sang first, like Celine Dion. Uh, Love is on the way. I'm a angel. that's true. Billy Porter recorded that first. Oh, really? And sang it better. But his career was sidelined because he was a gay man. Mm -hmm. I mean, I I think that he's just now having a moment. Like, Billy Porter was probably last year's moment. Lil Nas X is this year's moment. But he doesn't have the same level of success and popularity as Lil Nas X. I think that's what I would say.
4: Yeah, I agree with that. And and some of that also may be that, you know, he's a Broadway person. And I mean, you know, the gays love Broadway. (laughs) But, you know, I mean, you know... Come on. You know, it is a very niche kind of community that supports, you know, the performing arts in that way. It is. And you're not going to reach the masses. You know, I hate Hamilton. Sorry to everybody I'm offending. But, you know, there's a reason that shows like that become what they are is because they transcend. But everybody else in the you know, larger world now, you out here talking about Town. You know, the more popular ones like Wicked or Rent or some of these other ones. Even this, I'm going on a tangent, but that's a niche community. What I want to get back to about Lil Nas X, though, is that he is still enjoying this very large commercial success. He also names that this is troublesome for him sometimes. This is a tweet from June 28th of this year, which was right after the BT Awards. And someone tweets to him and says, you're so insecure about your sexuality, you're overcompensating for it every chance you get. Gay people who know themselves don't constantly have to remind everyone that they are gay. Take a look at yourself in the mirror, bro. He quotes tweets it, though, and says, You're right. I am insecure about my sexuality. I still have a long way to go. I've never denied that. When you're conditioned by society to hate yourself your entire life, it takes a lot of unlearning, which is exactly why I do what I do. We cannot pretend, you know, as I think some people want to, that Lil Nas X just came out the womb. Gay-gay. You know, th- he was still conditioned by the same society that we all were conditioned in. Absolutely. You know, th- going back, you know, to this compulsive heteronormativity. You know, he was still conditioned in that, but he's owning that it takes amount of work to transcend that. And perhaps it's work that other people have not been willing to undertake or other people have not had the resources for whatever reason to undertake. That shit fucks you up. We all know that, you know, we all have had to do our own process of unlearning. And I don't think anyone escapes that.
0: But now the difference between Lil Nas X and others is he is doing his unlearning in public. Now, I wouldn't say that he's been forced to unlearn in public, but I don't know if the young man who put out Old Town Road in 2019 thought he'd have 11 songs on the top 100 charts in 2021. And so there's an innocence and an honesty In this project that, for me at least, is unexpected. It's not quite immature, but it's just not expected. Like, it's, I mean, honest is the best word. (laughs) It's authentic. We have this 22-year-old young black gay man wrestling with who he wants to be. Like, every other 22-year-old does at some point. And he just so happens to be a gay man. That's a gift he's offering to the world. For black gay boys everywhere, this is a huge gift that we need need to cherish. Even for our families, it's a gift. Our mothers, our fathers, our cousins, our siblings get to see some of the things that we've only gotten to wrestle with inside quietly. Privately, secretly, this entire album is so personal. As much as it gives me something to dance to, every once in a while I'll catch a lyric and it'll hit different. And I'm like, shit, he's wrestling with depression. He's wrestling with being estranged from his mother. He's struggling with the church. And his music videos do that for us as well. They give us images of a young black gay boy of, of a young black gay boy coming of age, growing up, learning his body, unlocking his desire, and everybody gets to see it. We don't lift up those stories that often. I mean, all I have growing up was Will and Grace, and I had to sneak and watch that. And neither Will nor Jack were giving Black gay boys any depiction of their lives, or Black gay men for that matter, unless they marry white men and try to live into that culture, but that's another story for another day. I'm not going there today. So Lil Nas X, his vulnerability and his honesty, they're gifts to Black communities, specifically Black gay men.
4: Yeah, I was just going to say that I think one thing that separates Lil Nas X perhaps from others is his willingness to be honest, you know, his experience and and expertise at trolling on the internet, you know, so much of that also is just authentic. I must speak for myself. There are, you know, tweets that I see or Instagram stories that I see that I I know what I really want to say back, you know? Oh, I know, but won't God keep you? I know exactly (laughs) how I want to quote tweet it. I know exactly the kind of snark ass remark I want to make. But I choose not to for, you know, a host of reasons. You filter. Yeah, you know, I mean, I have to. Lil Nas X just, he does not do that. If somebody comes for him, he will quote tweet and he just will say what he wants to say. You know, it is just this kind of honesty that I think, you know, to your previous question, I think people are drawn to that because then we believe that the art itself will, you know, reflect some type of honesty, perhaps even reflect something, you know, back to us about our own lives. Is there a
0: particular song that you think reflects life back to us best?
4: When I was listening to the album for the first time, I was driving to campus and I was just, you know... The first song was Call Me By Your Name. So I was like, okay, I'm going to listen to this one. But I've you know, listened to this one already a lot. But then when I got <laughs> Dead Right Now, which is literally the very next song, you know, it's the beat, is nice. So I was like, oh shit, you know, we got another bop. Until he's talking about, you know, there's a verse about his mother and then another verse about his father that y'all are just dead to me. Again, honestly, there are a lot of queer folk who have these types of estranged relationships with their parents. Sometimes, you know, that have, you know, that has nothing to do with their queerness even because, you know, I don't want to make assumptions here, but I believe I have read that his mother's estrangement has you know to do with other things. That's a very honest thought to put into your art that, you know, these people who have birthed me and led me into the world. At this moment, y'all are dead to me. And I'm going to put over a nice little beat, you know, to make sure everybody can dance to it, but <laughs> y'all dead to me.
0: And culturally, like for black folks, I feel like that's a taboo. Like we're not so like, you You don't speak ill of mama and daddy. You sweep that stuff under the rug. You try to keep it quiet. You honor your father and mother. I don't know what Becky and them teaching their children because they clearly don't learn honor. They tell their parents they're dead to them at least once a day. I hate you, mom. I'm going to get out of that room. I hate your fucking guts. <laughs> he didn't go that far, but he did move in that direction and he did it with style and maybe that's what makes it acceptable it was so stylish and artistic and to have him being willing to say on a national scale there was this moment in my life where my parents were dead to me and i'm not going to do black respectability politics and act like my parents are perfect and our relationship is wonderful to god be the glory i'm going to name the fact that my parents haven't always been able to be there for me
4: both because of my sexual orientation and for other reasons and what i also love too out of that song this could take, you know, this has the possibility to take us in a different kind of direction. But, you know, Love Not's X clearly has a lot of experience with religion. And even in this song, you know, he's talking about how he gets up, you know, he, after he's done blown up, now people are coming to him saying, you know, hallelujah, how'd you do it? You know, you now it's, it reminds me of that P.J. Morton song of, you know, when it's all said and done, that's when they want to come around. You remind me of that Mike Jones back then.
0: They didn't want me. Now I'm hot. They all on me. back. Then.
4: But it's the same thing, right? Hallelujah. How'd you do it? I've been thinking of you. The broader song is this dead to me, you know, particularly about his parents. But you still get this little snip in it, which is there's also all of you other people that were not supportive of me, perhaps are also criticizing me. Right. But now that I'm here, y'all are the ones talking about, hallelujah, how'd you do it? And for me, it's the word it's the you know, the use of the word hallelujah it makes me wonder you know what type of people he talk about. Oh yeah.
0: I mean, I think it's very clearly religious. I mean, so look, I mean, Montero Lamar Hill is from Lithonia, Georgia, like right around the corner. And I believe his dad is a clergy person. Is he really? I'm almost certain that his dad is a religious leader. Let me let me look it up. Let me look too, because yeah, you know I don't know. He's a gospel singer. I'm sorry. I see that now. A gospel singer. Wow. Okay, and that actually makes this line hit differently when he says, You ain't got a chance at this. I mean, I can hear now, like that's I could see that being his father saying, you really don't have a chance at this. I know what it means to try to be a recording artist and make it in this industry. You really ain't got no chance, man.
4: Particularly as (laughs) this
0: young... Gay, black boy. Correct. You got a lot. I mean, like all black kids are raised, or many black kids are raised, at least, hearing you got two strikes against you because you're black. Right. And then you add gay to that. Okay, you you done struck out already.
4: I did not know the, this about his father. It's so interesting. Because, you know, even in the music video for uh, Call Me By Your Name, I mean, it is just, it is pure religion. And it's just this kind of retelling of a creation story or offering, you know, kind of an alternative creation story, which then also, you know, makes me wonder, We probably don't have to, you know, wonder far. But, you know, what types of religious trauma are still lingering here? Because trauma, you know, lingers. (laughs) It does not go away. The body remembers that shit. The body remembers, you know. So, you know, I wonder that about him. But I also love... Oh, we got a hand clap. Yeah, I get two of them. I'm thinking particularly of the outfit at the Met Gala, just grandeur. You know, what I mean, just some of this stuff that he is doing is just grandeur, and it just reminds me of churchiness. You know, who else is coming up with this types of elaborate three tiered cost? You know, outfit that is a church mother if I ever seen one. Like, Child, I was just like, you know what little 22-year-old Montero Lamar Hill. Walking into the Kojic AIM convention. Child, did you see those tweets the other day about how the Kojic AIM women could outdo those of the Met any day? (laughs) And they could. Have you seen the Clark sisters? Have you seen... Karen, Dorenda, Jackie, and Twinkie. And you know, that's what's interesting too. I don't know the answer to this. I have not seen any gospel people say anything about him at all. I wonder if anybody has. Because clearly they have to be aware of his presence.
0: I mean, of course they're aware of his presence, but they're never going to say that out loud. It's the equivalent of their choir director. Like, black gay men have been directing their choirs for years, filling their tenor sections. And we know that they exist. We just don't try to draw any attention to them because if we don't draw attention to it, then maybe it really doesn't exist. We can keep that a secret. So I think that's what's happening there. But even beyond the gospel world, I haven't really seen any black artists come out in support of him and celebration of him. Megan the Stallion was on the album and everybody else on the album was white, except Doja Cat, who I'm not certain what her ethnic background is. But black folks are doing what black folks do. We're gay people. We're just not really talking about it. At least that's what it seems like if you look at social media and some of the other things that are coming out. Oh, Lizzo did have a mashup with one of his songs where she like did a verse of her song over his. But outside of that, I think it's been quiet.
4: Yeah. I think going back to this thing about it being risky, I wonder too, you know, what that brings up for him for all these other what it brings up for all these other artists to see him. Because whether they're gay or not, he is clearly the moment. The moment. And that also then invites a lot of jealousy. And for some of them, envy. But I mean, he has done nothing but be himself. And what I think is also important about Lil Nas X, he is a gay artist. But I don't even think he's trying to be a gay artist. I think he's trying to be an excellent artist and he's gay. And it's not even for him like the main, you know, it's just slipped into a song. I don't fuck bitches. I'm queer. Right. It's not even the main part of the song. It's just this is just the way my mind goes. You can't tell the heterosexuals that the heteros think that it's everywhere. No, no. See, what I'm saying, though, is it is not the it's not the main focus, though. Right. For him, it is just this is normal. That it's not that he's not, you know, every song of his does not even mention his sexuality.
0: Is that true? Because I feel like every song on there is homosexual. The chords are homosexual. Boy, <laughs> <laughs> the beat is homosexual.
4: <laughs> I'm not saying it's not in there. Right. Oh, it's a homosexual beat in there. Right. But the thing is, he doesn't have to start every record by going, I'm gay, I'm gay. Right. You know, it's just for him, It's. I feel like it is this way of pushing back against this normativity. Yeah is that I don't have to qualify each statement as a gay person. This is, you know, how I'm interpreting sex. As a gay person, this is how I'm navigating relationship with my parents. And I feel like in some ways that pushes back against the, this normativity that any artist would just be straight. It's just who he is. It is. He had an interview. It was like, it was
0: like a 45-minute interview with Zane Lowe. And in that interview, he did say explicitly to this Zane Lowe character, who I don't know, he was like, hey, like, there's not a box that I'm trying to fit inside of. Because so often the industry wants to say, if you are a gay artist, what being a gay artist means is you do X, right? He's like, I'm an artist. I happen to also be a homosexual, but I'm an artist. And I'm also Black. Right. So it's not that I'm just a gay artist. I am a black gay artist. I'm a black gay male artist. And so he holds these things in tension in ways that I don't think the industry can categorize, because if you are a black gay artist and we've seen some of them, you have options. You can tone down that gay shit so that some straight people will buy your records, fewer records, but you'll still get more sales than if you were toning that up. So you can tone it down and appeal to folks who don't care that you're gay, or you can tone it up and appeal to a primarily white audience. And those are really your only two options. There is no in-between for black gay men, at least not until now, it seems.
4: You know, I've talked to people about this, even when it comes to the church, right? There are so many historically black denominations where gay people are and are serving, but are not permitted or not afforded the opportunity to be fully gay. The quandary is, the other alternative is to go to some of these denominations that are open and affirming, but now you're one gay, one black person, or one of few black people in a room full of white people. And I feel like that is a terrible choice, if we even call it a choice. And Lil Nas X, I think, is doing something that people have not done, which is holding on equally to his queerness and his blackness.
0: And... I think that's why he's one of my favorite artists of all times. And I never thought that I would be saying this. Back in 2019, when I heard Old Town Road for the first time, it was a bop, but it wasn't my bop. But this album is my jam. I mean, this could be a whole can of worms to open because even with Old Town Road, it was white folks who... Love that song. Billy Ray Cyrus jumped up to support him. He was a country artist in the CMAs. And there was all this controversy because it was a black man charting, a black rapper, a black gay rapper charting on the country charts. And so in some ways, this freshman project is more poignant because I don't view it as seeking white affirmation. And I don't think Old Town Road was as well. It's just the audience that happened to consume it. But this album is distinctively black and distinctively queer. This seems like a really good spot for a break. So let's pause for a second and then jump right back into it with some final thoughts about Lil Nas X and Black Queer Visibility. So any final thoughts, good sir? I got one more thing I need you to do, but before I ask that, any final thoughts?
4: You know, this is only the start for Lil Nas X to be 22 for this to be his first album, and for us to already be you know getting such greatness, but there's no telling what even the next five years will, will bring for him. and he also seems committed to not burning out you know he's, he's made jokes about that and made references because people thought that with Old Town Road he was going to be a one-hit wonder and he's repeatedly said, you know that's I'm working hard at my craft, I'm going into the studio, you know I'm producing. I'm working with other people who know more than I know. You know, he's also just trying to be a good and sustaining artist. Which I appreciate because I think him not wanting to burn out
0: is what Black gay folks need to do. Because I think people do want to consume us and they do want to shape us and shift us and they want to make us fit inside of whatever boxes they need to profit off of us. And I think him prioritizing his own story, his own narrative, his own artistry, and making sure that he's not burning out, I, th- I think that's the lesson for Black gay men. In addition to leaning into the fullness of your humanity and walking with pride and just being your own version of, what, of Black and gay, like, Like, do that, but also rest and don't burn out because ultimately black churches have been using us for years. When I think about all the shit that I've given to black churches in my lifetime, black churches who Mm -hmm. couldn't affirm my well being, Mm -hmm. my humanity, my wholeness, like they literally took so much from me. They gave me some shit too, but they took so much from me. If I would have learned the lesson of not burning out and prioritizing myself and my humanity in my 20s, like Lil Nas X, shit, I might be out here uh, licking on little (laughs) boys on the VMAs. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's never too late. It's never too late. Call me Lil Nas X. Call me Montero Lamar Hill. I will come up there. Do you, do you need a pre for your next album? Do you need me to play a minister? I will what's, the,
4: what's the next video looking like? What you need. <laughs> what I also really like about Lil Nas X is the way he responds to critique. And not critique about the art, you know, critique about, critique rooted in homophobia. Because the other reality is that none of us can escape that either. It and this, you know, may just be kind of a, a cynical take, but you know, Lil Nas X can ascend to the highest of the music charts. We could have a gay black president. Uh, we, you know, if, if all that could happen, and that still does not mean black gay men are not going to be the objects of persons homophobic attacks. And so I appreciate also the way he just... I, I was looking for this other tweet. He said, I don't block haters. I would never deprive you of seeing me win. Right? There's this also this kind of like honoriness. Yeah. There's this kind of orneriness that's like, no, you, you are not bothering me. You can hate,
0: you know, but you're not bothering me. So we end every episode with... <laughs> Invitations, you know, in the black church, we like to have the invitation to receive Christ, but we don't do the invitation to receive Christ. We just have an invitation to life and life more abundantly. We want people to figure out what it means to flourish based on the conversations we have. So would you do the honors today and offer our wonderful listeners an invitation to life and life to the fullest? Yes.
4: You know, we already have everything that we need. We already are You know, made up of all of the goodness and the gifts and the graces that the divine has gifted to us. I had someone ask me maybe two years ago this is a gay, I mean, a gay black man from Mississippi. It was my first time meeting him. But the friend, you know, said to, you know, this other one, he's at Vanderbilt, da da, he's a preacher. And this, you know, black gay boy from Mississippi literally just, you know, turned all around in his chair and he said, You're a gay preacher? Because to him, you know, those two things are just not compatible and he kind of asked me, he's like, you know, how do you, do, you know, how do you do that? You know, what do you say? And I kind of looked at him and I said, I don't say anything. And he's just kind of stunned because he just thinks that I, sh- you know, that I must. And I think Lil Nas X, you know, as you have articulated, gives us an example of not doing that. We don't have to. It reminds me of Tony Morrison, you know, saying that, you know, the whole point of racism is to distract us because if they say our head's too big, we go to do the work to prove it's not. Or if they say our, we run too quickly, we do the work to prove it's not. And it just keeps us responding to them always, which the same thing can be said about queerness. There is just a isness of it. It does not matter how it came to be. It does not matter your thoughts on it. It is. So what? What now? Our, you know, the invitation then is to just own it, to lean into it. Despite those around, you know, just to be. We don't have to think about the doing as much, but just to be. Being is enough. Being is enough. Well, Cora Malcolm Davis,
0: I'm so grateful that you uh, agreed to this conversation.
4: I am grateful to have been on here. I have been uh, seeing about this podcast for a long time and I'm grateful to be a part of it, really. We'll have to have you back soon. Yes, anytime.
0: And that does bring us to the end of another episode of Holy Shit Pod. Thank you so much for coming in and visiting us here at the Church of Holy Shit and the Temple for All the Saints and the Aints. Have we told you lately how much we love you and how much
2: we appreciate you listening? Because we do. It is true. But it's more than just listening. We love it when you talk back. Keep sending those emails to holy at theolabmedia.com to ask a question or vehemently disagree with Brandon or to make Sam's head bigger than it already is. You like how I made you read that line today? See what I did there?
1: <laughs>
2: it's huge. <laughs>
1: well, and if you really want Sam to feel good about himself, you can head on over to Apple Podcasts and rate and review this pod We appreciate all ratings, but we do love five stars best, especially Sam. He likes those a lot. And we also love reading your reviews. So please do both today.
0: And don't forget, you can show us love over at patreon.com slash Theolabmedia. All right, good people. We'll be back next week. Same time, same place. Until then, peace.